this morning, as previously noted, we're going to be looking at reasons for the incarnation. And our text for this morning is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And we have rather a rather long outline. If you're taking notes, I'll just read it for you real quickly. The main point is we're going to be talking about is why did God why did God become man? Why did the the Jesus Christ, the God man, uh, come into the world? First thing we'll look and at in verse 14 is to identify with the humanity of his children. That was the, the one of the reasons why he came. He came. Second thing, he came to die for us. Third point, he came to conquer our, our oppression, the devil, the accuser, the slanderer. He also came to set us free from the fear of death. He came to set us, uh, he came to save the offspring of, of Abraham, of which all God's children are. He came to be a faithful and merciful high priest. We see that in verse 17. And lastly, he came to help us in times of temptation, verse 18. So look with me at the text. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death was subject was subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helped, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is God's word to us. The incarnation, excuse me, I'll take the jacket off. <laughs> The incarnation, as we know, is a rid of the bedrock of the Christian faith. It is a mystery. It is something that is hard for us to comprehend as human beings. Uh, there is nothing that we can compare to the incarnation. Uh, that there is nothing that will ever happen in the world that will ever happen just like the incarnation. It's, it's, it's a mystery to us. But it is beneficial. It is, it is beneficial. It is a blessing to us. And our Lord Jesus Christ even said it himself in John chapter 6, verse 54, where he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus here is not talking about literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He, he's talking about 
the, the spiritual nourishment. He, he goes on. He even says in John chapter six, same chapter, verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Just like we need physical food, we need the spiritual food. We need the, the, the spiritual truth of the incarnation to enable us to live spiritually strong lives. The incarnation of Christ is so important that you need to think about it. You need to meditate upon it. You need to take the truth about it and allow that truth to dig, uh, dictate the way you live your life. That's how important the incarnation is. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. It, it should have a visible impact upon your daily life. That's what Jesus said. You must continually feed on my flesh and drink my blood. You need to continually take the truth of Christ, digest it, meditate, and allow it to, to impact your life. Paul did it. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now, and he says, and the life I now live, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The incarnation is important. The Apostle Paul lived by the reality of Christ coming into the world. And tonight, actually, we're going to, uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, we're going to look at that as application of Jesus coming into the world as a man. There are practical benefits for us as children of God. So let's look at the text. The first thing we want to, the question that we're going to answer here is that why did God become man? And to answer it in a short fashion, he came in order to save us. But look at verse number 14. It says, so therefore the children share in flesh and blood. I want to stop there and take a look at since therefore we see that this this phrase connects us to what is said previously. What has the author said previously? Well, he's he has informed us of the solidarity that we have with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ calls us brothers. We are the children of Jesus Christ. We are those who are one with him uh, in a sense that he came in the word and partook of our nature. Uh, we saw that in uh, verse number 13 says, uh, as you were in verse number 11, for he who sanctifies those who are sanctified are all, all have one source. We're, we're one uh, in a sense that we're in the same family. Uh, we have the same human nature. So who it says, so therefore the children, who, who are the children? The children are those who in verse 10, verse 13 says that uh, God gave the children to Christ. These are believers. These are those who, in a sense, uh, have been born again or regenerated by God in, in, a, in a passive sense, but also in a, in, a, in a sense that 
They're, they are those, the children are those who come to Christ in childlike faith. It, it's not just that God has, has brought about the new birth in them. God has brought about the new birth and they respond because of the new birth. They come to Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus says in Matthew 18, uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse three, he says, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those the children that are being mentioned here are the children of God. Those who have at one time made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. They have come to him with a childlike faith and dependence upon him. These are the children that are mentioned here. So he says, so therefore, the children, the, the children share in flesh and blood. What, what does this mean that the children share in flesh and blood? Well, it means that we're human <laughs> and we'll always have a human nature. We'll always share a human nature. A child is born into the world. Guess what they are? Flesh and blood. Every time a child is born, a child is born in flesh and blood. This, this, is, this is us. This is, this is who we are. This is our, our human nature. Human nature is to be flesh and blood. But in, com in comparison with God, God is eternal. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God who is eternal. Flesh and blood one day dies. But we can't change that reality about ourselves. We share in flesh and blood. We can't do anything about that. Somebody has to come and do something for us. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. The children share in flesh and blood. That's what we are. We are we are human by nature. But look at this extraordinary truth of the text. He himself likewise partook of the same things. At a at a point in history, the eternal Son of God took hold of human nature in the in the incarnation. He became fully human to represent us as his children. That statement itself, he himself likewise, likewise to what? Like the children who share in flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, the son of God, partook, took hold of human nature himself. To the point to where in verse 11, it says that we all have one source. We have the same origin or one nature. Jesus Christ came and took upon himself humanity. This, this was a, a once and for all act, a loving and gracious act of the Lord Jesus Christ to identify with us. We have to make note here that during the incarnation, Jesus took upon himself. He didn't cease to be God. He 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 was God and he was fully God. He was fully man. He didn't change. He didn't come in and 
and have a, a, a divine nature and, and that d- divine nature dominated his human nature or changed his human nature? No, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man when he was came, when he was by the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary conceived and birthed. Can you, I'm about to start running through this building because that is, that in of, that we can't compare. We, there is nothing that we can compare with that reality. God is, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And guess what, beloved? Even now, he's fully God and fully man. The creator of the universe who existed before the world began. The one who is in the very nature and essence. He is the glory of God. the, The possessor of divine glory and majesty. The one who is rightly worshipped by the saints and angels in heaven. He was fully human. And at the same time, he was fully God. Jesus didn't put on a a human disguise. He, he, which 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 some believe, he he wasn't a phantom. He, He was a real man. He was human in the fullest sense without our sinful nature. What, what, what a miracle. Uh, what a miracle. Three things I want to just note in this about this, the fact that Jesus partook of flesh and blood. The first thing is that Jesus made a choice to do this. What does this mean that Jesus made a choice to partake of flesh and blood. That means that he existed before the the creation of those who are of nature, flesh and blood. Jesus made a a choice in eternity past to to share of flesh and blood. Robert Martin said this, he said, what the children share by virtue of their creation the son partook of by choice. And what this means is that Jesus existed before he was born. Jesus Christ existed before he was born in Bethlehem. That's the first point. And you say, how do we know this? Mark read it earlier. John chapter one. John chapter one, verse one and two says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Beginning of what? In the beginning of all things, the word, the Lord Jesus Christ was there. But look in verse 14, John says, and the word, what word? The word that was in the beginning, the word that was with God, the word that was was God. John says in John chapter four, uh, chapter one, verse 14, that word and the word became, became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And he says, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Paul was amazed at this reality. Paul was amazed. Listen, listen to Paul. He, he was amazed at this reality. He said in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, he said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am the foremost. Paul was amazed that Jesus Christ came into the world, came as a man in order to save sinners. Is that your declaration? Is that your motivation for, for, for loving Christ, for loving others? Is, 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 is Christ and, and Christ and that he's God and that he's man, is that your motivation for living? Paul said in 1 Timothy 3 and 16, great indeed, we confess in the mystery of godliness, which Paul, uh, Mark read earlier. He was, mani- he was manifested in the flesh. Jesus Christ came into the world and, and he was manifested. And, and he, this is the second point. The second point is that the son partook of, the, of flesh and blood of which he was not. That, this is the second important point. Jesus Christ partook of that which he was not. One writer noticed like this, he says partake has to do with has to do with taking hold of something that is not naturally one's own. Jesus Christ, before he came into the world, he, he, he is God. And, 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 and he decided to take on himself that which was was not natural to him natural to to him as God. What what a miracle. Another writer says this, he became what he was not without ceasing to be who he was so that he can make you to be what you are not and like him. He, he, He became that which he was not. He ceased not to be what he was So that he could make you and I what we're not. <laughs> New creatures in Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 6, uh, 17. We are new creatures in Christ. New creation in Christ. Because he came and he took upon himself flesh and blood. He made us what we're, what we're not. What we were incapable of being. New creatures. One day to 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 reign and rule in heaven with him. And and the last thing. Jesus partaking of flesh and blood. It's important because as Jesus Christ came and he took upon himself the uh, flesh and blood. Now he is liable to death. He, He had to become human in order to die for us. And that's what the author says next. He says that through death, 
the, the son partook of the human uh, human nature in order to die in our place. He, he came into the world to die. The, the God of heaven, the God who who uh, who is worshipped by angels came to die. For you and I. Because we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We in our flesh and blood before Christ came and 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 made us new. We were dead in we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We we were enslaved to Satan. And so Jesus had to come. He he had to come as a man in order to die, to destroy death and to set us free. To to conquer the oppressor, the devil. Look, look at the text. He says he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. <laughs> destroy his means to nullify or to bring to nothing. The devil, uh, through Christ's death, was not destroyed in the sense that he was destroyed completely. No, he was his his. Power was nullified by the cross of Jesus Christ. The, the, uh, and we know that because the devil is still, he's still prowling around. He, 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 he is still uh, uh, prowling, uh, desiring to devour the children of God. So, so he's still prowling. He, he's not destroyed in a, in, a, in a full sense, but he's nullified. His power is nullified. At the, the death of Jesus Christ, uh, the devil received a sense, a, a wound, a death wound. Jesus on the cross bruised his head, <laughs> in a sense. Jesus bruised the devil. He, he, he struck him with a, with, with, with a death wound on the cross in his own body as he paid the penalty for the sins of his people. And now the devil, this, the devil here, the word means slanderer, the devil, he, he, he can't come against us and make slander. And this is the power, I think, that, uh, that the devil has, the power of death that the devil has, that he has the, 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 he has the free reign to slander the children of God. He, 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 he has... The, the ability to, to come and to, to take advantage of the death sentence that God had given to Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. That the day you eat thereof, you shall die. This is, is not only a physical death, but it's referring to primarily to a spiritual death. We are spiritually dead. And, and uh, before we came to Christ, and, and 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 Satan takes advantage. And even as a believer, he reminds us of that. He reminds us that we used to. This is what you used to be. You used to live like this. You used to do this. The slanderer, the devil. But at the cross. Jesus Christ has nullified. His power. Philip Hughes said this, he said, the devil used the reality of death to intensify the condemnation of man due to sin. Death is the realm in which Satan works due to sin 
that he successfully proposed to the first man and woman. He waved the flag of death to, the, to sinners in order to intimidate and to hold, uh, hold him under his way. Another author noted, he said, probably the chief sense in which the, the, the Satan has the power and demand, he, he has the power is that he is able to demand death. If you are not a, a child of God here this morning, Satan is going before the Father to demand your death. And, 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 and because he is, the, he, he is the reason why death entered into the world. By a sin through death and into the world. It was through it was because of Satan. He's the adversary. And, and he goes before God, the writer says, the devil can demand the penalty be paid. He can go before God the Father and say, see, he's a sinner. He's not in Christ. The penalty is death. You need to you need to enact the penalty upon him. The, the, the slanderer, the, the, the accuser. But, but for us as children of God, he finds no hold in us. He, he, his accusation and, and his slander uh, of us, it's null and void. It, it doesn't mean anything. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, and through him, talking about Jesus Christ, to reconcile himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who was once, who once were alienated. Hear that precious truth. And you, for those of you who are believers in Christ, you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's your testimony in Christ. Because of Christ coming in the world, taking upon himself flesh and blood and dying. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. In order. Why? In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, before God. The, the devil has no power in us because of Jesus Christ. And James can say to us in James 4 and 7, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. You don't have to listen to his slander. Resist the devil, James says, and he will flee from you. The devil is real. But you can resist him. Because of Christ coming in the world as a man. So not only did, did Jesus Christ come to set us free from, uh, from the oppressor. He came to set us free from the fear of death. 
Verse 15, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. Death, de the, the fear of death is, is bondage. Uh, the, the, the fear of death is, is, is real. Nobody desires to die. You get a, a prognosis and, and that, that says you're about to die. I don't see anybody celebrating uh, the reality that they're about to, to lose their life. Nobody celebrates death. We fear actuality. We, we don't want to die. We, 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 we do not want to die. We, in a sense, we, we fear death. But Jesus Christ came to deliver us through uh, the fear of death who was subjected uh, to a lifelong slavery. We don't need to fear death because Christ died for us. If, if, if you are in Christ, if, if you're knocking at death's door, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We don't need to fear death. Somebody want to take your life because you're proclaiming the truth about Jesus Christ. <laughs> take it. Take my life and do with what as you please. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And, and, not, and, the, and the most blessed thing about that is that we don't have to fear death because God loves us. Romans 5 and 8 says God shows his love for us. And while we were we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now in Christ, death shall not death, even though it, it may seem fearful when we die, death will not separate us from the love of Christ. I don't mean to cry. This is real to me. And I'm not ashamed. Nothing so separates you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says this, Romans 8, 37. It says, now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul said, for I am sure. Are you sure? He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all. Do you hear that, beloved? Nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't need to fear death because Jesus Christ, he came in flesh and blood and he died for us. F.F. Bruce said this, that then death itself cannot separate the people of Christ from God's love, which has been revealed in him. It can no longer be held over the heads by the devil and other malign powers as a power of intimidation. We don't have to be intimidated by death because of Jesus Christ. 
verse 16 it says for surely it is not angels that he helps this this is amazing it, it is angels who who are worshiping god and 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 praising god 24 hours a day but it's not the angels that he helps but he helps the offspring of, of abraham this is why jesus came and, and took upon himself human nature to help the offspring of of, of, of Abraham, those who were by nature human. And the, the amazing thing about this, First Peter 1 and 12 says angels, angels look into the salvation, they intensely look into the salvation. that they, 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 they inquire of the salvation that we have received. That, that, that is how, how marvelous it is that Christ came and took upon his himself flesh and blood in order to die and to save us. Angel, angels cannot comprehend what it means to be saved. We know if you are a child of God, you know what it means to be saved. You know what you were before you came to Christ. You know what the penalty that, that, that was demanded of you in, in, in living in sin, the wages of sin is that you know that. And you know what it means to, to have the light turned on, the light of heaven turned on. To see Christ, to see him as the treasure of heaven. You know what that means. Angels don't. He said he came to save the offspring of Abraham. And not only that, as marvelous as that is, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become. This is why he had to take on himself flesh and blood. This is why he had to become a man so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. The, the, the office of high priest required that he become like us. He 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 had to be made like us. And, and 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 because of that, he is a sympathetic high priest. As a man, uh, as a man, he, he can take our sins on himself. He he is the sacrifice. He takes our sins upon himself. And and represent he and now he's our representative before God. He knows us. He sympathizes with our weakness and he forgives all our sins. And the author goes on, he says, to make pro, uh, uh, appropriation for the sins of his people. Jesus is our merciful and faithful high priest. And, and he, he makes propitiation for the sins of his people. How? In his body. That's why he had to come in, in a body. That's why he had to come and, and, and become a man. Because in his body, he bore God's wrath and, and, and the curse that, that we deserve. He bore that in himself, in his body. Under the old covenant, many priests offered sacrifices year after year. But they themselves could not remove sin. They offered of sacrifices on behalf of the people, which, 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 which did symbolize the removal of sin, but that pointed forward to Jesus Christ. 
But now Christ, who is our high priest, he offered his very own blood, not the blood of, of lambs and goats, but he, he, he offered up his own blood. He's the high priest and the, the offering. <laughs> He's the high priest and the sacrifice for sin. He shed his blood to, to atone for your sins and mine. So he made, he, he, he had to become a man to make appropriation for our sins. And lastly, he helps us in times of temptation. For he, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Are you being tempted? Look to Christ. Look to the Savior who was in who was in all points uh, uh, tempted and yet without sin. Look to Him who suffered, who knows what suffering is. He knows what temptation is because He Himself was tempted. Hebrews four and fifteen says, "We for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in." Every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In our lives, we know suffering. We know temptation. We know we experience sickness and suffering. But can I tell you something? Jesus knows all about it. He knows because he came in the world. As a man, he knows. And if you're being tempted, Jesus Christ can help. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> For a savior who can help us in temptation. You say, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight in, in Romans chapter six. You say, I can't help but sin. Your savior, your savior has enabled you because of your identity with him, enable you to not be dominated by sin anymore. What a wonderful savior who has come and enabled us to look death in the face and say, come and bring it. What a savior. A savior who is perfectly suited to be our savior. We should trust him. We should worship him. We should do all that we can to serve him in the world. This is why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul understood this. That in all of his life and everything that he did, it was for Christ. And everything that he did that, that was, was right, it was because of Christ. Everything that he suffered, even in his suffering, it was because of Christ. And he could endure it. And if you're suffering, 
Paul says this. The light momentary affliction that you may be experiencing. He said is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. And he adds beyond all comparison. There is nothing you can compare to the glory that we will have one day with Christ. Romans 8 and 18 says the suffering of this present time are not worthy. They can't be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Beloved, the incarnation is a blessing for us right now. It, it is a blessing to sustain our faith right now. And I pray, I pray that you see Christ and see Christ in all his beauty and all his glory in the incarnation. The miracle, the marvelous miracle and mystery of the, of, of the incarnation. God became man. Amen. Let us let's pray. Father, I have no understanding of what it means to to suffer like many of your children who are even in our congregation are suffering, who are facing the reality that one day we all die. I have no idea of the extent of, 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 of suffering of, of some of your children, but Christ knows. Christ knows and, and he is the, the anchor of, of the hope that we have to overcome the, the, the last enemy, which is, which is death. You've overcome it for us. And because of that, we, we can be assured, even as we struggle with, in this life and we face temptations in this life and we face our body, the frailty of our body, as it, it seems to fade away, as we face these realities in this life, that doesn't separate us from your love for us in Christ. Your love for us, even in the times of our greatest suffering, is the same as it will be when we are standing before you and worshiping you when you come back to bring us to heaven. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for coming into the world and, 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 and taking upon yourself the, the human nature, flesh and blood, without sin. You did that because you love us. And Father, help us to see Christ and be able to, to have this same mind in ourselves. To, to, to have the mind that this, this, this humble, this, this mind of, of humility in ourselves because the Savior had it in himself. And he gave up more than any of us would ever give up to follow you. He gave up the, the glory of heaven, the worship of angels, and set aside the, his right to, to exercise his, his power. He set that aside to come into the world. 
How much more so should we as your children who know what it means to be saved, how much more so we should to lay aside our rights, our prerogatives, our desires, what we want to do. To serve Jesus Christ. May we never forget. May we never drift. And Father, we're getting to the point where we get to the warnings in, in the book of Hebrews. May we never forget. May we never drift from, from Christ. May we never drift. May we never forget that, that, that Jesus Christ came into the world and took upon himself human nature. May we never forget that. May that truth grip our hearts. And may we, we grow in, in our understanding of the height, the depth, the width of the love of Christ for us in the incarnation. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Excuse me.